Hey, what's up, everybody, and thank you for hitting the play button on this week's episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. And this week, you'll be hearing my conversation with independent author S. Usher Evans. But first, I want to tell you about a great album by my close friends, The Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their single Carne Asada and Twin Peaks, which is also the theme song of The Derek Diamond Experience. You can find Murder Mystery Night on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you want to follow them on social media, just find them on Facebook, search for The Unicorn Wranglers. And they're also on Instagram and Twitter, at Wranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. diamond. Experience! Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of July 9th, 2015. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. And as I'm sitting here recording this open, it's a bright and beautiful Wednesday morning here at Pensacola Bayfront Stadium. I'm recording this open in the home radio booth of Bayfront Stadium. But I wanted to start off the show by wishing a speedy recovery to one of my previous guests and one of my best friends, Ian Waldron, who you may remember uh, is one of the first guests I ever had. He's part of the Unicorn Wranglers, who also supply the theme song for this show. And his brother, Adam, is my boss and one of my best friends. Well, he had to go to the ER a couple of days ago with stomach pains, and it turns out that he had to have his gallbladder removed. But the surgery was successful. He's feeling a lot better, and I'm sure he's at home resting comfortably now. So, Ian, if you are listening to this, I wish you a very speedy recovery. I'm glad the surgery was a success, and I can't wait till I see you again. But as far as the news goes, the only thing I really wanted to discuss for the Open is a review I wanted to give for Terminator Genesis, and it came out last week. And when this movie was announced, I was very skeptical of it because the last couple of Terminator movies have not been great. And I was thinking this one would be the same. But they took the series in an entirely new direction. They basically pulled a modern-day Star Trek. They rebooted the franchise without treading over or discounting the previous movies. And it was cool, and I'm going to give away some minor spoilers, but when the original Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator shows up in 1984. It's a shot-for-shot remake of how that happened in the first movie, and I just thought that was really cool that they did that. It was probably my favorite part. But there are some twists to the typical Terminator story. It's been given away in the commercials and the trailers, so it's not really a spoiler, but John Connor, who up until now has been known as humanity's last hope is now Skynet's last hope because he's transformed into a Terminator on a cellular level. So he is now a Terminator and it deals a lot with, you know, trying to stop judgment day from happening and, you know, typical Terminator stuff, but it, it has a nice fresh twist on it. And I actually give the writers credit for having the balls to do something like that. And it was an enjoyable movie. 
It wasn't, you know, the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it was definitely better than Terminator 3 and Salvation, but doesn't hold a candle to the first two. If I had to compare it to the other movies that I've seen this summer, I would probably say it's my least favorite. But if you're a fan of the franchise, I would definitely check it out. And I know box office-wise, it's not doing great, so I don't know if there is going to be a sequel, but there's supposed to be plans for a new trilogy of Terminator movies, but if this one isn't really a success, I don't know if that will happen, but I do hope so. The you know the story intrigued me enough to where I would want to see what happens, and the only real complaint that I have of the movie is I didn't care for Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese. To me, he came off as just very plain and bland. He would have made a better Terminator than he would a Kyle Reese. And, of course, it was cool to see Arnold back, and and I like that they made him an older Terminator to kind of explain why he looks so much older than he did in the 80s and 90s, but he can still play that same type of character. So I enjoyed it. It was was pretty good, so I, I would recommend going to see it. And as far as other news goes, that's really about all I have, so... We're going to get right to our guest this week, and this is an interview that I conducted quite a while ago, but am just now releasing. It's with an independent author who actually is from Pensacola and moved away for a while and now is back on the Gulf Coast. Her name is S. Usher Evans, and she's actually the first ever author that I've interviewed on this podcast. So it was nice to be able to talk about something a little bit different. You know, we touched on some of the local scene with her being here in Pensacola. And the way we kind of indirectly met is through Pensacon. She was a vendor, and I was the PA announcer, but my Nerd Cave co-hosts, Zach and Robbie, got her information and said, hey, this person might be good to have on your podcast. So I reached out to her, and we did this interview back in early June, so it's been quite a while since we've talked, but it's a really fun conversation. We talk about Harry Potter, her love of Harry Potter, and other fantasy books how she got into writing, what made her want to write. And one other thing that's cool about her is she's worked for National Geographic, the Discovery Channel, and BBC. So that was kind of amazing to hear. And she's got a really interesting story, and she's really cool to talk to. So I hope you guys enjoy this. So sit back and enjoy this conversation I had with author S. Usher Evans. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience here with my very special guest this week, the first ever author on the Derek Diamond Experience, Miss S. Usher Evans. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So how how are you doing this uh, lovely Monday afternoon? You know what? I'm doing great. I, um, I moved here about a month ago and I'm finally settling in and I'm happy to be back in Pensacola. I'm ecstatic to be back in Pensacola is a better way to say it. That's something I, I was actually, that really intrigued me was reading your bio. You're from here, but you did move away to Virginia at some point, right? Yes. Um, I, when I was 17 years old, I was very sure that I never, ever, ever wanted to live here ever again because this place was stupid. Um, and then 
uh, I kind of went off and I did the whole DC thing. And I was, um, I worked for a couple different, different news organizations, then got a job as a consultant. And then kind of went through this, this crisis of, of identity. And, and I call it my quarter life crisis because I was about 26 when I went through it. And I sort of realized, you know what? I really don't like this anymore. And I really want to move home. I really want to simplify my life and do things that I enjoy, like write books and be with my family. Because um, my whole family's from here and my southern just came out. So, um, but yeah, so it's, um, it, it really was this very conscious decision when I, when I left that I never wanted to live here again. And then it was a very conscious decision about a year ago when I said, no, actually, I was wrong. I want to move back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's the way I could describe this area is it always pulls you back to an extent because yeah. when I was in my mid-20s, I moved to just outside of Atlanta only for a few months. But, you know, eventually the Gulf Coast pulled me back in. So I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, growing up in in Pensacola and the Gulf Coast area, what were some of your interests growing up? Like, were were you interested early in writing uh, when you were younger, or is that something that kind of came along later? Well, you know, it's funny is that I always thought I started writing around eleven or twelve, and um, I my my parents actually just downsized their house from the house that I grew up in, and they found my mom found just tons and tons of different. Um, uh, sort of mini books that I wrote when I was in kindergarten and first grade and just like, you know, little small things. So, um, you know, that sort of told me or showed me that, you know, I've really been been creative and been writing and daydreaming since I was very, very young. Um, but I really, con- I started writing when I was 11. And that's when I remember writing my first, we're going to call it a novel, but understand I use that term very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but the fun thing about those novels are that they sort of stuck with me, and I'm I'm pushing thirty now. Um, I'm just rounding up at this point; it just makes it easier. Um, and so, I, I'm I'm sort of taking those stories that I wrote when I was eleven and twelve, and I'm I'm kind of taking a second look at them and taking some of the themes and the characters and and kind of the basic plot points and saying, okay, how can I make this not terrible? Um, and that's kind of and that's been kind of fun to have these sort of secret. Um, notes in the in these new books with myself to say, oh, well, this is a small nod to that one thing I wrote when I was twelve, and nobody really knows it but me. But it just tickles it just tickles my funny bone to see them in there. <laughs> now, was was there a specific book per se that made you want to write, or was it just a a thing that you just you know started doing, and you're like, this is what I want to do with my life? I think. I mean. There's two two answers to that question. So the first one is easy, and that's I, I think just for me writing, it's it's it wasn't necessarily something that I thought, oh, I'm going to write today. It was I have these stories. If I don't get them on paper, they're going to drive me insane. And it really is almost this this you know kind of compulsion to write. It's it's you know you have this idea, you have this scene, and and you just feel this anxiousness to to get it written down. Um, so I almost sort of think that. Like, you know, I'm, I was born to be a writer because that's just, there's no other choice for me at this point. Um, but, you know, growing up, I was such a Harry Potter fan. And um, I will tell you that I wrote a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction, um, which is, you know, still a very thriving community. But I... I, I oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and but it was great because I, I was able to post my stuff 
in an environment and have an audience uh, at a very young age, and they basically would say, yeah, you're great, no, you're not, here's where you're good, here's where you're bad, and help me improve, and I really feel there. And, and the funny thing is, two of my Harry Potter beta readers are still my beta readers today, and they were the first people that get Rosia, which is my current science fiction series. Um, in fact, they just got book three the other day, and they're the first ones I trust. I'm like, okay, you guys will tell me straight if this is a piece of garbage or not. Yeah, it's it's good to have a support system like that, and one that is honest because you don't want someone to just tell you, "Oh, this is great," and then you just put it out. You know, if it's when I'm doing work because I, I do video production, if my stuff is terrible, I want people to tell me it's terrible because how else are you going to get better? Exactly, and and I, you know, my poor mother is um, trying to trying to figure out how best to tell me because I like to get feedback electronically so I can tell people. You know, my first reaction when I get feedback is, no, you're wrong. I might go away. And then I and then I walk away and I come back in about a week and I go, no, actually, you're right. You're right. And so, it, you know, but that first initial reaction, it hurts to, to for someone to tell you your baby is ugly, even when you know it's ugly, but it still, it still hurts. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, a good way of looking at it. Yeah. And, and I just I, I definitely, you know, I've had, <clears throat> especially with the my new fantasy book that I published about actually last month, um, you know, I was very nervous about it and I got some very good feedback from some non, some beta readers I didn't know, um, to sort of help me, you know, and I do, and I love that feedback. I love that time when you can, you know, send it out and say, am I crazy? Am I not crazy? Did you get this? Did you not get this? And, and the, the beautiful thing is everybody always comes back with wildly different feedback and completely different because everybody's bringing their own experiences to the table. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things where somebody will point out this thing, somebody will point out something else. But if everybody's pointing out the same thing, then you know you have a problem. That's true. That's very true. You mentioned you wrote a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction. Is it safe to say that Harry Potter is your favorite all-time book series? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I know several people that that are. I only read the first book personally. I, and what's funny is, I, I used to be a huge, you know, a huge fan of reading. Like when I was a kid, my favorite day of the year was the book fair at elementary school. But you know, at, at some point when I got older, I just kind of fell off of it. And then having a busy job doesn't leave you a lot of time to read. But what what are some other uh, like other books that you enjoy besides uh, Harry Potter? You know, um, being an independently published author, um, I tend to read a lot of indie books just because, you know, it's it's it, it's a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of marketing and also a little bit of, of supporting because, you know, we don't have a big, I don't have a big publishing company behind me pushing my books out, which is good and it's bad. Um, but really, so I read a lot of independently published books. And let me tell you what, man, there are some gems out there. I've read, there's a really good one called um, the Crown of Stone series and that one's one of those books where if you just if it, if you have a hurricane that's coming through and you know you're going to be without power for a week just get those two books and sit and by the time you finish them and by the time you get over your book hangover the power will be back on they're just they're that good they're that detailed um, another really good book is um, Nina J. Lux has a Bell 11 series and that's a young adult fantasy that just I mean, the detail in there is just incredible, and and that's something that I always strive for. I'm not very good at, at the, you know the detaily stuff. So people that write these 
four or 500 page books that just cram in this imaginative detail. I love reading those books and I love trying to be better and trying to emulate that as, as I, you know, kind of go into a little bit different genres. When you said detailed, the first author that popped in my head was Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Because I, I read the last full book that I read from start to finish was a book he did called 112263, where mm-hmm. it, it's a, a time travel story where this school teacher goes back in time to stop JFK from getting assassinated. Mm-hmm. But the the twist is he he finds this little hole in the like the space time continuum that he can walk through, but it, it always takes you back to this exact time, like to the second in the mid fifties. So he mm-hmm. has to actually live in the past and wait for you know the day that JFK is supposed to get assassinated. And there's just so much detail in it that when the climax is about to happen, you just keep turning the page. And there's still mm-hmm. more detail. You turn the page, there's still more detail. And it keeps going and going until it finally gets to the climax. So that, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I think when, you know, when I think of detail. But, you know, back on the Harry Potter, would you say that, you know, is fantasy your favorite book genre? Or are there other types of, you know, genres that you really enjoy? You know, I, I love fantasy because... That, and I think it's because that I don't like living in this world. I like living in worlds that are completely different. And I also don't like research. So I don't want, I don't really care. So, which is why I get, a, I get dinged sometimes on my science fiction because people ask me, well, how does she transport the universe across the universe, you know, so quick? I mean, I don't know magic. Um, <laughs> you know, those, <laughs> I like that. Those devils in the detail things really, you know, I more focus on what happens when they get there and what happens, um, you know, in, in the environment. So I love fantasy because you basically have, you can just do whatever the heck you want and there's no rules cause you make up all your rules and there's no, um, nobody telling you, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, and, and I just, I feel like it's more, more and this sounds very strange, but it, it's more believable than say a contemporary, um, book or, you know, and I just, I hate romance. So, but that's just me. I'm a spinster. So, um, <laughs> But I just, you know, I, I, I just, I think it's more believable. I think it's, it's, you know, because you're in such a different world, the suspension of belief is, is much greater and you can lose yourself in it. And I think that's why I like it so much. That's kind of how I look at movies. It doesn't really matter, like, you know, the type of story. It could be fantasy. It can be whatever. When I go to a movie, I like to just immerse myself and escape from the world for a couple of hours. And you know, with books, it's the same way. When you sit mm-hmm. down and read a book, you're not thinking about, you know, bills or troubles you're having or anything. It's just, you're, you're in, you're in a new world. It, exactly. And the, the problem that I had, you know, and I'll be, I'll be frank with you until I started writing, I actually hadn't read a full book in 10 years. And for me, it was, it was, I'd start reading and I would get distracted. I get distracted by, Oh, I got to write that book that I said I was going to publish, didn't I? And so I, it wasn't until I actually did publish a book that I that I started reading, and you know, I really have rediscovered that that escapism, and and especially when you get a really good book that that really draws you in, um, you know, it it it's it is it's pretty magical. So, oh, absolutely. Now, wh- being an independent author. What are some of the biggest struggles of 
being independent as opposed to being part of a, a mainstream publishing company? I think the, the biggest struggle that I have right now, so there's two of them that are my big, my big problems. And the first one is, of course, getting noticed. Um, even as traditional author, it's very difficult to get that breakout, get that New York Times bestseller list. I mean, there's only 20 slots and there's 17,000 books published every day. So, um, you know, so getting out there, getting noticed, getting people to read and review the book and tell their friends about it, that's really difficult. And then the other, the other piece of it, because I own my company that I publish through, um, is really the money aspect of it. And so, like, for example, I'm going to the World Science Fiction Convention in August, and I'm very excited. I got a table. Um, I'm going to get all my little my little doodads up, and it's going to be real fancy. And see, my Southern came out there again. And, uh, <laughs> the uh, but, but the problem is all them doodads and that, that flight and the hotel and the food and the car and all of that stuff cost a lot of money. And so um, the company has to pay for that. And so if the company is not making money based on the books, and so, um, you know, the biggest thing, you really do sink a lot of your own funds into it. And so trying to balance, okay, what is a smart investment on my behalf? So going to the World Science Fiction Convention, is, is it going to be an investment for me? And is it a smart one to make? Is it the right place to go versus somewhere else? So that's, you know, that that is something that, you know, my background as a consultant helps me figure out, okay, you know, see long-term, strategize long-term, don't just see, you know, the thing that's popping up right now, knowing that I'm going to write umpteen books in the next five years, um, knowing I'm going to have a couple series out, planting these seeds now um, is great, but it's also my, my money, so um, that definitely makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, from the indie filmmakers that I've interviewed, you know, over the course of this show, they they say a lot of the same things that it's you have to do everything yourself as opposed to, you know, if you worked for like a mainstream company or something like that and they would fly you to these conventions and they would take care of everything for you, you just have to show up. So I I, I can definitely yeah. understand, you know, where you're coming from with saying you have to you pretty much take care of everything yourself. And you mentioned that you have your own publishing company which is called Sun's Golden Ray Publishing. What yes, gave yes. what gave you the idea to start that and can you explain a little more on what it exactly is? So really Sun's Golden Ray Publishing started because I needed a way to separate this is going to be so boring. I needed a way to sep separate my business income from my personal income and so I set up a, a limited liability company an LLC in the state of Virginia just for tax purposes, basically. Very boring. But um, I had this company, and I and I got all my stuff in, and I said, wait a minute. Like, I have a company now. I could do something with this. And so, you know, I, I created a logo, and, and the whole the, the name and the logo and all of that stuff is very funny because that's the name, Sons Golden Ray, is the name that I used when I was um, – uh, Sons Golden Ray was a name that I would that I used when I was a preteen, and I was online on AOL and writing and and posting fanfiction.net. And yes, if you look me up on fanfiction.net, Sons Golden Ray is still there. I used to read that site all the time when I was yes. in high school. I, I read a lot of uh, Pokemon fanfiction. Yep. yep, I wrote that was where I posted all my Harry Potter. And yes, I'm going to admit some of my anime fanfiction. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, That's fantastic. So I basically, and the the, the sun and the sunglasses, um, which is the logo was, is all over my high school notebooks. So it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where it was sort of this meta special feels kind of thing where I, I sort of said, okay, you know, this is who I am. This is who I've always been. I'm going to put it out there for the world to see. Um, so what 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 I offer um, with the company right now, eventually I'm hoping when I stop writing so many damn books, um, is I'll be able to bring on other authors and I'll be able to help them get published and, and get their cover, get it edited, all of that fun stuff that goes along with it. And really, you know, my vision for my company is really to be a little bit more hands-on than, than some other companies. So if you want to do a convention, we'll help you get it signed up, set up. We'll help you get all your marketing materials, all of that. Um, you know, if I have an author, let's say out in, in the Southeast or in the Southwest, um, you know, I can ship them, I can have, I can, you know, ship them a box of all the other author's books that maybe live in another con- you know, part of the country and all that. And we can sort of cross pollinate. Um, and then we also offer marketing services and editing services. So I sort of, you know, the, the get paid for what I know as far as what I've learned over the past year doing this stuff. I didn't think that was boring at all. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. That you're, you're, you know, dedicating a whole company to you know, helping out aspiring authors as well as using it as a way to promote your own stuff. And speaking of your own stuff, uh, you're, your book that I saw on your website uh, called Double Life. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. What exactly is this book Double Life about? Well, and I'm going to give the spiel. So this has been highly rehearsed, um, and I've only said it ten billion times. Well, Double Life That's is about a young, <laughs> Double Life's about a young woman who's leading a you guessed it a double life. I know. I'm. It's a very subtle and non-obvious title. On the one hand, she's Dr. Alyssa Peet, planet discovering scientist, and on the other, she's Rosia, space pirate bounty hunter. Unfortunately, neither life's going very hot. As the bounty hunter, she's one of the least wanted people in the universe, thanks to a pirate boss that will not give her the time of day. And as the scientist, she just got a brand new intern who is totally spying on her. And then things get even more complicated when that intern is mistaken for her hostage by the universal police. It is the first book in a five-book series. Book two came out uh, in March. Book three is coming in October, and I just finished the first draft of it. I'm so excited. Um, and, and like I said, it's going to be five books, um, and all of them are hopefully going to be out before June of next year. Awesome. So awesome. Yeah, I, I'd definitely be interested in uh, in checking it out, and uh, I can you know give a review for it on uh, on a future show. But uh, one, one other thing I wanted to ask you, you were actually at a convention that I was at this year, uh, Pensacon, here mm-hmm. in Pensacola. Um, wh- how was that approach to you? Because I've never really asked a guest, you know, how they're invited to a convention. So like, ha- how was the process of actually going to Pensacon, and uh, what was your impression of it? Well, so in order to get into a convention, you have to um, sacrifice your firstborn and find... That's what I was thinking. No, it's actually, you know, for most of these conventions, it's actually really simple. You just pay money. Um, I mean, that's, you you, you type something into a thing, you pay the money, and they'll they'll let you in. Um, Pensacon's a little bit different in that they were screening vendors because they don't have enough space for everybody. I know, what a shock. If you went to Pensacon, you know there was not enough space for everybody. 
Ashton and the rest of Pensacola's Chamber of Commerce. If you're listening, please, dear God, give us a convention center. We should yes, it. please. Um, <laughs> a little plug there. Um, but basically, you know, I've been to in the past year. I counted up. I've been to 16 comic book conventions between September and now. And so, Pensacon was. You know, it it wasn't the I don't want to say it was the worst conference and it wasn't the best. It was somewhere in the middle. I think organization wise, it was one of the best ones. The you know community engagement wise, one of the best. I mean, they they renamed the damn airport. Can you even? I cannot even. I was shocked but, when that happened, and when I saw the pictures on Facebook, I I'm not gonna lie, I geeked out a little bit. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But this community is so on board with Pensacon. The problem is the space is mm-hmm. not even close. So I went to one in Indianapolis, and it was kind of the same thing. It was very well promoted. Very well, it was not very well organized, but it was it was very well promoted. And there was just so much in this convention center. And I don't know if you've ever been to Indianapolis, but the convention center had had like fifteen conventions going on at once, and we were all had plenty of space. Um, so I think you know if if Pensacon were to get a um, a convention center, it could be unstoppable. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I just, I really feel strongly that, that, you know, we've got the right people involved and we've got the right, you know, got right, right people just working it and, and the city communities involved. And I just think it's, I think it's a great convention. And I'm, I actually just got an email today that's asking if, if we all want to come back. So I'm hope hopeful crossing my fingers. They'll let me in again. Yeah. I remember getting an email from the Pensacon, uh, like the Pensacon media relations person at the time, and mm-hmm. saying that Pensacon this year drew in over three million dollars, mm-hmm. and that just blew my mind. And I'm thinking, why is there not a convention center here? Not not just for Pensacon, but for other things as well, because the, the base center isn't meant to house anything like that, and. No. It, and it's an older building, and I, I understand, you know, you can still have, you know, some concerts there and everything, but I think just long-term, not just for Pensacon, you've got to build a convention center here. You really do, and I and I talked with the, the guys who are in charge of Pensacon, and they, they're pretty confident that the city's on board. You know, Pensacola is the oldest city in the country, and I'm going to get my Pensacola hat on because I love the city so damn much. You know, we're the oldest city, we're the oldest settlement in the United States, but I really feel like this city was born 10 years ago when Ivan struck, or however, 11, 12, however long ago Ivan struck, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, within the past 10 years, because I left 10 years ago, or 11 years ago, and I left, when I left, there was nothing to do downtown, there was nothing going on ever, it was the most boring place in the universe, and everything was terrible. I come back, all of a sudden we got the Wahoos, who are my team, and I love them like crazy. Um, we have the Flyers, who are kicking butt every every year in the, you know, whatever hockey league they're in. Um, Palafox has been completely transformed. You just have this, you know, we have a brewery, we have all of these fun things. And I, and I think, you know, it takes time to get a city to a point where it's thriving. And I think a convention center is going to be our next step. And I... And I think so. I wouldn't be too hard on Pensacola for not having one yet, because I see it. This is only about eleven years old at this point. I don't know if you were around during Ivan, but we got walloped. Yes. And so, 
Um, you know, it's, it, it takes a while to get back from that. And then, you know, not only that, but, but Pensacola has got some old fuddy duddies here and they don't like change and That's trying true. to get past those people. And I love Ashton Hayward. I think he's fabulous. I love Quint. Quint's a friend of the family. You know, he's, I just, I'm his biggest fan and, you know, I just, I think that the, the them and everybody else who's working really hard to get Pensacola into the 21st century is doing a great job. And I think a convention center is not too far behind. Yeah. You mentioning Quint and my listeners are going to hate me for this because this is like the 50,000th time that I've mentioned it. I, I actually work for the Blue Wahoos baseball team. I'm actually doing the interview at the stadium right now. I hate you. <laughs> Say again. I hate you. <laughs> I love the Wahoos. Yeah, I, I work in the creative services department. I, I do a lot of the uh, production, like videos and graphics and things like that. Mm-hmm. So any video or you know sound effect or graphics or animations you see, uh, myself or you know another person I work with created them. So, but no, Quint's Quint's really great, and you know I, I think he has really good intentions with wanting to to make the city better than what it is. And, and you're right. Cause I, I've, I'm from here as well. And you know, I, I was here when, when Ivan hit, I, I actually, I'm from a small community that's about 30, 40 miles North of here. So mm-hmm. I, I, so I know how, you know, impactful Ivan was. Yeah. So, and, and you're right, especially even in like the last two years, really ever since the ballpark was built, it's really changed the landscape of the downtown area. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the, the Wahoos are and, – and just I went to a game, my first game of the season a, a few weekends ago, and it was just the stadium was sold out. You know, you got Bubba Watson hanging around now. It's And it was just so wonderful for me to see people out in Pensacola and just made me so happy for our, for our little town and really happy I moved back to be here. Yeah, it's definitely a, a fun environment to, to be around. I mean, even if I didn't work here, I would still go to games as a fan just because it's – one thing that we like to promote is it's not just about watching a baseball game. It's about a fan experience because we have, you know, theme nights, and I, I feel like I'm turning into a salesman as I'm saying <laughs> this. But, you know, we have various theme nights. Uh, we'll have fireworks and all that fun stuff, so – it's there's always something going on here. Yes, which is a far cry from when I left Gulf Breeze in 2004. Yeah, it, ain't it, nothing there. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely changed. Uh, something that I, I wanted to ask you about that I thought was pretty interesting uh, when I was reading your bio, you've actually worked for National Geographic, mm-hmm. Discovery Channel, and BBC. How did you mm-hmm. pull that off? Well, so it was almost like a waterfall. Um, and you being in creative services, you know, you know, every it's all about who you know. So when I was in college, I interned with my college's um, local TV station. So my, my background, my undergraduate degree is in video production, um, oh, which cool. I'm, so, I'm so totally using right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the case with everything. But anyway, so I worked there, and then they, a former intern who worked there was a producer at National Geographic Television, which is based downtown D.C. So they got me in for an interview, and I got the job. And then from there, I met somebody 
who was a former intern at BBC, got in there, interviewed, got the job there, interned there, and then turned into a freelancer. And then for Discovery, there was a there was a call for an intern for a production company. Um, and so I worked there for about, you know, until the project was over for about six months. So um, longest stint was BBC. And I'll tell you right now, it was it, it sounds a lot more exciting than it was. Um, it just looks really cool on a resume. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, BBC was actually fun because I was there during the 2006 election. So I got to work election night. Um which for my, you know, little 20-year-old DC excited brain was just the coolest thing ever. Um, and uh, I worked until 2 a.m. at the BBC and it was just, it was a fun, it was a fun night. So that's the highlight of my short-lived television career. <laughs> no, but still, like you said, that's something you can say as you worked for all those places. I mean, not, not a ton of people can say that. Yeah. And, and I really think, you know, living in DC, as much as I hated it, I hate it now, um, but really it, it afforded me a lot of really great opportunities and, and working for a lot of really interesting people and doing a lot of interesting things, um, you know, for the government, for, you know, some other folks as a consultant. Um, and, and it just, it, it's interesting, but it's also, I, and I don't have to tell I don't have to tell you this, but it's a very silly place and there's a lot of very silly people doing a lot of very silly things and it just oh, got yeah. old. That's why I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I totally understand. Uh, well, back to back to being an author. I've just got a couple more things here. Um, what type of advice could you give to anyone who wants to be an author? Like, if someone were to walk up to you and say, "What do I have to do to be an author?" Can you give me some advice? What would you well, tell them? It's very simple. In order to write, to be a writer, you have to do one thing: write. If you write something, if you put something down on a piece of paper, you are a writer. That's the first thing that I tell everybody because there's so many people out there that have all these published books and they go, oh, well, I'm not really a writer. And I'm like, but you've, you've got all these books written. Well, yeah, but they're not published. But you're still a writer. As, as, you know, and I think when people embrace the fact that, hey, I have this, this ability to claim this title for myself. And, and if I write something, I'm a writer. Um, and if you want to own that title, you can. Nobody else has to give you permission for that. Um, but if you want to be a published writer, um, I think really the first thing you have to do is figure out what's your intention. So do you want to be on the bestseller list? Do you want to be published by one of the big four or big three or however many publishers there are now? Do you want to have that hardcover book signing thing? And do you not care about the money? Um you know, for me personally, my intention is to live off of my writing. And the the easiest, quickest way for me to do that, and, and again, easy and quick are very loose terms, um, is to, was to be self-published. The, the profit margin's greater, the control is greater, the ability for me to get stuff out is, is quicker. Um, but that also means that I have to do a heck of a lot more work. Um, and, and so I think, you know, it's, it's not necessarily writing isn't a get, get, get rich quick scheme. Writing's not something that you can just do and be done with it. And life is unicorns and sunshine. I mean, it's hard work, but once you figure out what it is that you want out of it, then you can go after whichever path you want to take. That's very good advice. What uh, what other projects uh, do you have in the works? And uh, I know you mentioned you have an appearance coming up uh, in August. So are, are you appearing at any other uh, comic book conventions in the near future? 
Oh, Lord, yes. Um, <laughs> in August, I'm hoping to hit up Pensacola Paracon, but I'm not confirmed there yet because I have not paid from a table, so don't quote me there. Um, and then hopefully, and then, of course, the World Science Fiction Convention in uh, at the end of August. Um, a couple tentatives in September. Definitely, I'm definitely going to one in October in New Orleans. Um, those are my big appearances right now. And then I've got... Um, I, like I said, I just wrapped up the first draft of my third book, or the third book in the Rizzi series, which is Conviction, and that'll be out in October. And then I'm also working on 15,000 other books right now because I'm ADD and I have to work on 20 things at once. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm actually working on, which is very weird for me, I'm working on a romance, which I don't know how I started writing a romance, but that's just how it came to me. Um, and that actually, I'm posting chapter by chapter on Wattpad, which is a fun little, it's kind of like fanfiction.net, but it's, um, it's basically fanfiction.net, but it's for original stuff too. So, um, I'm posting scene by scene. So you'll be able to read the book kind of in a roughish draftish state, um, and, and sort of give me feedback on that because I'm just impatient and it's really good and I wanted to share it quicker. Um, and then the final book of that will come out sometime in, um, December, I think. So, and then I'm just sort of, um, promoting and, and I have, um, so out, I have double life. I have the sequel alliances and I also have, um, empath, which is a fantasy novel, uh, for anybody who's ever dealt with anxiety. Um, and that one was really tough to write, but, um, I, it's, it's gotten some really good reviews and really good feedback. So I'm happy, I'm happy with it. Sweet. Sweet. And the the last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, do you have uh, a website or any type of social media that you'd like to plug? Oh, yeah. I keep I keep adding new ones because the youths keep creating new ones. <laughs> they do. So um, ssusherevans.com, one word, ssusherevans.com um, is, is my primary website. Um, and it's going through a rehab right now. So I'm implementing a brand new brand. Um, on that. And so that is kind of under construction right now, but you can go to it and see it's all pretty. Um, also I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Goodreads, I'm on Wattpad, Tumblr, Instagram, Pinterest, um, MySpace, probably, uh, <laughs> YouTube. I haven't heard that one in a while. Oh yeah. I, I'm sure I'm still on there, but, um, anyway, all the links are on my website. So you can just go there, find me, follow me, finger tag me, whatever it is the youths are using now. I'm not on Snapchat, though, because I have no idea what the heck Snapchat is, and I don't understand it, and, and there's too many non-buttons. So <laughs> sorry if you want to follow me on Snapchat, because I don't know. <laughs> Fant fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. My thanks again to S. Usher Evans for joining me on the show, and don't forget to check out her work at SUsherEvans.com. Next week, we'll be looking into the world of film with local writer-director Maxon Hughes. He's been working on his Victor's web series and also a spinoff, Victor's Shadow City, so he'll be on to talk about that as well as various other things about film, so you'll definitely want to check out that episode. And don't forget you can check out past episodes of this show and our other podcasts on nerdcavenetwork.com. Every Tuesday, we have the Nerd Cave Podcast. Thursdays, we have the Derek Diamond Experience. On Saturday nights, we have the Pop Culture Palette. And all those podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and coming soon to SoundCloud. 
Don't forget, you can also check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitch, and YouTube. Just search for Nerd Cave Network. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for joining me for another fantastic episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.